the hypervigilance from trauma is one of the most persistent symptoms, even when people get therapy. And that what we know now is that trauma causes a biological injury. So a healed brain looks different from an injured brain if you have the right brain scan. PTS is not an invisible injury. It's visible if you have the right brain scan. To me, logically, if there's a biological injury, we need a biological treatment before you do the work. Hello and welcome. I'm Lori Hardy, and thanks for listening in as we continue to talk with leaders. Joining me today is Chief Psychologist of Stella, Dr. Shauna Springer. We're talking about trauma and PTSD. Welcome, Doc Springer, to the show. Thank you, Lori. It's good to be here. So will you just take a minute and explain to me about the reason we call you Doc? Sure. So Doc, in the military context and first responder context as well, It just means you're somebody the veterans or service members trust. A doc is somebody that walks with them and does what they can to bring people into healing. A doctor is somebody with a degree. So a doc may not necessarily have a doctoral degree, but the more important thing to me is do they trust you to really go into the trenches of mental warfare? And so that's what that name means. So we're talking about PTSD today, and oh my goodness, first we had the shootings, now we have the recent shootings, and also the pandemic. People are suffering. Such a year of trauma. Yeah, so why don't you just start where it feels most relevant to you? Sure. So, I mean, I think we've all had trauma this year of one kind or another, and the unfortunate thing about these recent shootings in Atlanta and in Boulder and other places is that they're happening right when we're trying to reemerge from a year of so much trauma and come back into our normal spaces. And they're happening in places that have been safe places for us, spa, a grocery store. So there's this kind of double effect of we're already wired pretty tight, all of us now, after a year of chronic threat. And now to have these senseless acts of violence on top of that, it's a real double whammy. I was with a friend last night and she got some news and she said, I think I'm in shock. And I remember when we were learning about how to recognize shock, but how do we recognize PTSD? Right. So going through a trauma can put you in a state of shock. And for the first 30 days, you can have symptoms that nobody would diagnose as PTSD. So part of the definition of PTSD is that the symptoms last for longer than a month. So after 30 days, that's when we get into the range to say, this is a persistent uh, problem and you're having experiences like you can't sleep at night or you get these floods of anxiety or floods of irritability is another one. Uh, It's hard to concentrate. Uh, These are some of the symptoms of trauma but it would only be diagnosed as PTSD if those symptoms persist after a month and if you meet certain criteria. If somebody's not seeing a counselor, for instance, this big thing happened, the shootings happen, and there's people that are traumatized, but they maybe weren't necessarily there, but you had a word for it. It's vicarious trauma. That's a real thing. So we're all connected. We're all uh, connected people Belonging is so important to us as humans. And so when something happens, we feel that impact, even if we were not there. We often put ourselves in the picture. We think about 
what if that were me? What if that were my kids? What if that were, you know, somebody that's vulnerable that I love, like an elderly person? And we've been seeing attacks uh, on the elderly in the Asian American community recently. So that's a real thing to kind of experience that trauma, even if you weren't there, and to think about, is it safe to navigate those places? And what happens if something happens to my kids? With all that's been going on with the Black Lives Matter and with we saw in the beginning of the pandemic, people going after Asians, just deciding that they were at fault. I think that it must be very scary to be a person of color, even though many of us are doing the best we can. How how do you deal with that as far as they probably have fears, they maybe have PTSD? How How are people coping with this? It is very scary. And I think one of the things is that all of the trauma of this past year has shown us some pretty important fault lines in terms of how we relate to each other, coming from different cultural mindsets, backgrounds, ethnicities. It's always been there. And that's part of the trauma is that people experience things that nobody around them sees. And then when there's pressure put on the system, then things start to develop in ways that are very above board and visible. And one of the things, and this is so critical, Lori, one of the things that's really important is the the disconnection that people can feel around this happened to me or a member of my group. Why is everybody else not as outraged as I am right now? Why does life go on? And some people, they give quick lip service to it, or they say, we stand in support, but they don't actually get behind me or my group and really stand with us. And so one of the things that is so important to me as a psychologist is to be part of an organization like Stella, because Stella is is relentlessly committed to a world where no one suffers from trauma. And we treat civilians and veterans of all kinds for the effects of trauma exposure. Say a little bit more about the treatment. I was really fascinated by that it's psychological, but there's a ganglion block. Yeah, stellate ganglion block is fascinating. And I'd love for this to get out as broadly as possible because people have often not ever heard of this treatment. And it's one of the most innovative treatments that I've seen in 20 years in the field of working with trauma. It's routinely used in special forces units and in medical hospitals within the military What it is, is it's an injection of an anesthetic medication. It's not psychoactive. It's an anesthetic medication into a cluster of nerves in the neck, a few inches above the collarbone. And that's the stellate ganglion. A ganglion just means a cluster of nerves. So this one is named the stellate ganglion. And the doctors in our network will inject an anesthetic into this cluster of nerves. And it calms an overactive fight or flight system. So when somebody is in this state of what I call chronic threat response, they might not have PTSD, but they have symptoms like hypervigilance and they can't sleep and floods of anxiety. We can treat that with a biological treatment that essentially reboots the fight or flight system back to a calm state. That is amazing. I see that in your bio, it talks about you do a lot of work with sex abuse survivors, sex trafficking. Uh In my world, I see a lot of that as well. Trauma from living on the streets, from being sex trafficked. I think that 
people are getting a better idea of what it is, but I don't think people realize <laughs> they could be talking to somebody that is actually being sex trafficked. That person may not even realize it because they think that's their boyfriend or whatever. But when they come out of it, there's such yes. trauma. It's another one of those traumas like we were talking about that's invisible and in plain sight at the same time. Like the racial traumas that you know people experience that nobody around them sees, mm-hmm. you're absolutely right about that. Um, you know, it's a social cancer, sexual violations of women and men, of kids. Um, it's a social cancer, and I really want us to identify those people that are impacted and effectively treat their trauma, and then give them the insights and support to really get on a different path in life. Because with this treatment, we can treat the biological injury, but what this really does is it opens a window of opportunity for people to take in new insights. And that's why I don't touch the needle. I'm a psychologist, but I work closely with our MDs because I want to help us build out a network of providers across the country that treats people with talk therapy and yoga and mind-body practice that will help them to heal and maintain those gains for the the course of their life, not just get a shot and feel that they're going to be good to go. At this point, where is that available? So we are expanding rapidly. We have 19 sites, 19 sites since last October. Um, I think we are the fastest growing, certainly Steli Ganglion block provider, if not uh, PTSD treatment network of clinics. So the 19 sites are in 12 clinics across the country. For example, we have three in California, three in Florida, Texas, Anchorage, Alaska, Minnesota, North Carolina, just all over. And we're actually launching in Australia too. So we're actually going international and launching a couple of sites in Australia. So it's, it's very exciting to be part of this. And we really want to revolutionize how people with trauma get their care. There's an exciting development recently with the Treat PTSD Act. It was proposed by a congressman out of Pennsylvania. There's bipartisan support with Democratic congressman now, my congressman is signed on. The American Legion, which has 2 million members, has gotten behind that. This law, if passed, would make Stella Gangling Block available throughout the VA system. If that law is passed, then the Stella Gangling Block would be available throughout the VA system. Stella is scaling up to meet the needs of Americans across the country, both civilian and military. We treat about 30% that are prior or current military, and the rest are, as you said, civilians with different traumas, whether it's sexual assault, whether it's homelessness. Um, I know that's an interest of yours, and people who come out of homelessness to get on a different path have so much trauma. And one of the really amazing things about this that we've seen is that It doesn't matter if the trauma was once or a repeated trauma. This can still help get them calm in their own bodies for the first time, sometimes in decades. And then with all of the right services and supports, we could really move the needle on homelessness and putting people on a different future path. Two things I think about. One is I have four grandchildren. Three are adopted out of the foster system. And of course, we know about ACEs, we know about trauma, but with these kids, they're pre-verbal. We don't know what they've been through. So are you treating children or just adults at this time? We have treated some children with parental consent. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and it's sort of a case-by-case basis. You know, we do a, a really careful evaluation. Kids are, of course, should be a protected group. Mm-hmm. And so we're really careful. But as well, sometimes with any treatment for children, the most compassionate thing to do is not to withhold treatment, but to get the appropriate consent and address the suffering of that child. So it's not a big part of our treatment uh, population, but we definitely have treated uh, some children when clinically indicated and with parental consent. And then another thing I see is adults who in their adult life realize they were abused sexually as children, whether they've stuffed it or they've just chosen to not say anything or they've been lied to. Now you've got these adults that are having memories or they're all of a sudden they're going to a family function and that person is there. And is this something that would would work for people who've had that kind of trauma? It is. And I have a working theory, Lori, because I worked in private practice for a number of years with a very affluent civilian population. And many of the most high achieving affluent people behind closed doors have had early childhood traumas, sexual traumas. And some of what I think, this is my working theory based on a fairly large case population, but no sort of like formal study, but there was such a strong theme that people who have had trauma, often this becomes a fuel for them to achieve and accomplish and put distance between themselves and the trauma event. So many people, like we've been talking about are sort of hiding in plain sight with traumas that are treatable very efficiently, most of our patients, you know, come into the clinic for one day. And if the treatment is successful, which is about 75 to 90% of the time, the treatment is successful. So not every single person is going to get the good outcome, but the vast majority do within a single day at the clinic. So we can treat all of those folks. And we really do treat all civilians and veterans uh, with the, the target symptoms. My mind is just kind of blown right now to think of how therapy has been amazing for trauma, but also there are the people that don't recognize that they have it, but they have behavior. And if you suspect somebody in your family might have PTSD, but they haven't really acknowledged it, how does one approach that? Well, I kind of take the approach that the diagnosis of PTSD doesn't matter for getting relief from the target symptoms, because we know in the research that this treatment, the SGB, really targets six specific symptoms. So what I would do is I would ask somebody, do you have these symptoms? That you're unable to sleep, you have floods of anxiety or panic attacks that seem to come out of nowhere with no explanation, that you have surges of irritability or anger, that you have hypervigilance, you're always, your head is on a swivel, always looking for the threat, that you have a startle response when someone comes up behind you, and if you have difficulties concentrating. Those are the hyperarousal symptoms within the PTSD diagnosis. And so it's totally non-stigmatizing to say there is a biological treatment for this, just like you'd get LASIK if you had an eye. If you couldn't see correctly, you might go in and get LASIK. We can go in and with an injection of a, a routinely prescribed anesthetic, we can give you relief from these symptoms. And to your point, many people don't know that they have this, will never see themselves as having PTSD, may never meet criteria for that diagnosis. 
and they may be suffering greatly. And they may not know the difference until they've had the treatment. So if they have those symptoms, what I continue to see is people saying, it feels like a thousand pound weights were just lifted off my chest. And I didn't even know it was there. But now with that weight gone, I feel so much calmer, more connected to my loved ones, lighter in my own body. I'm getting the best sleep I've gotten in years. It's had a positive impact on my sex life. These are all the things that I hear often from patients that that I've seen go through this treatment. So I would just say, share the symptoms and see if they're a good fit. And then know that there's treatment that's available now for it. If somebody wanted to get this, they're listening to this podcast. Do they go to their psychiatrist? Do they go to you or do they go to a medical doctor? Where do they go? Well, here's the thing. It's the most innovative treatment that I've seen in 20 years in the field and nobody knows about it. And so to get good information about it, go to StellaCenter.com. We have put a lot of work into pulling the research together. You can see what the history of all the published articles are. You can see patient stories and hear from folks that we've treated, both military and civilian. Go to the source because the chief medical officer for Stella is Dr. Eugene Lipov, who is the person who first made that connection that this procedure may treat these symptoms of post-traumatic stress. And he's been developing and refining this since 2006. So if you go to our website, StellaCenter.com, you'll be able to get all kinds of information that's accurate and current on what this is straight from the source of the people who are really innovating around this. So this brings me to another question. When we first set up this appointment, it was when that happened with the shootings, talking about how Asians are feeling threatened and they're feeling scared. That could be a form of PTSD. Now, if they get a shot and it takes away that hypervigilance, are they safe? They're not safe until society is safe. I know it's kind of a crazy question, but... It's a great question, actually. It comes up a lot with veterans. It Mm. comes up in this form with the veterans I serve. So this treatment is used with a lot of special forces operators, and they don't want to be unable to respond if a real threat were present, right? That's one of their concerns. And so there was research done by uh, Dr. Jim Lynch and colleagues out of Fort Bragg that showed that this procedure actually helped people respond quickly, more quickly, after the procedure in terms of muscle memory response. If there's a real threat in the environment, people are able to discern and respond to that. And I would say that I wanna validate that fear because if you see people that look like you being attacked, that fear isn't coming from your head. And so it's appropriate to be vigilant, but we're talking about removing the suffering of being hypervigilant. And hypervigilant means you can never relax and enjoy anything. Yeah. So it's, it's having good situational awareness and knowing that you can respond and you can move to protect your kids and help them to be appropriately vigilant given what's happened, but not to be suffering with a hypervigilant state that you just can't throttle down because that's a miserable way to live. Have you done any work with former drug addicts or people in recovery as far as this? Oh, yes. One of the reasons why people use any addictive substance is to help regulate their bodies. Mm -hmm. And so what we found is, although we don't have a a referral pipeline right now for people who are in um, addictions recovery programs, I have personally referred a number of people who have struggled with alcohol and other drug addictions. And they have told me since getting this injection, 
I have not needed to take another drink. I've not had the desire to take another drink because it shifted me to being calm in my own body and able to connect with my loved ones. And I'm doing great with that and haven't felt the need to use alcohol as a way of self-medicating. So I think there's a difference between perhaps like people that are heavily into their addiction may need an appropriate level of support. But I can tell you that for many of my patients who are kind of periodically abusing alcohol, even sometimes continually, in some cases, they've told me that this has really helped them with smoking, with alcohol, with other drugs and substances that they had formerly been addicted to. What can we do to support you? We can go, we can read about it, which I'm, I've done and I will do more of. Uh, but what can we do? Can, is there any kind of advocacy work we can do to uh, get this out there more? Yes, I would love help. What you're doing right now is so important. So you're one of the frontline people that helps shape messaging and you know what this is and what its potential is. And so helping us get this to a tipping point in awareness with whatever kinds of outreach and um, sharing you can do is greatly helpful. The Treat PTSD Act is really to get this available for veterans in the VA, but getting behind that and, and pushing that out and making that available as a treatment option would help save a lot of people I've come to really care deeply about. Um, and so I would love groups and organizations to stand in support of passing that and making that available as a treatment option. And the two are connected because if that gets support and that becomes a standard of care in the VA, then all of the people that don't know about this across civilian America after this year of trauma are going to find out about it and you know, know that it's an option for them. And they're going to be able to uh, come in and get taken care of. And so that's why Stella is working so hard to scale up and meet that need because it's not just this year, it's many, many years of, of trauma that we're facing as a nation. When you think about it, I mean, the pandemic has added to that, but when you think of all the types of trauma, when we first heard of PTSD, it was veterans. And then we started hearing different forms of it with different types of traumas. To think that therapy with animals has been very helpful. Different types of therapy have been helpful, but not the same therapy works for every person, right? So everybody's got a different level, but to think that there is something that could help you relax enough to actually even receive the therapy. Yeah. I was talking to a patient of mine, a Marine named Arturo Weber. We'll do a little webcast here on this soon. And he gave me a concept that I love. He said, SGB is the primer before the paint. SGB is the primer before the paint. So if you get the stellar ganglion block and you get calm in your own body, everything else you do after that point is totally different. Stella has a partnership with Operation Freedom Paws, for example. They provide service dogs that can be life-changing or life-saving for some of those that we treat together. And so when people are calm in their own body, that match with a service dog is totally different than when they're very overactivated. So wow. they're available for that bonding process and the training and the match is just totally different. So Stella is, is partnering with therapy providers, yoga providers, sort of to fill out that spectrum of care. And the commonality is that SGB is the primer before the paint and accelerates and enhances outcomes for many of the other therapies that are out there. Is it a one-time shot? Most of our patients experience significant reduction 
in their symptoms in one day at the clinic. We oh. give two shots on a single day. So it's a single day with 24 hours downtime. And then they're back to their jobs and their lives. Depends on what you do with it in terms of whether you need to come back. So it opens a window of opportunity. And if you then can work with the therapist, for example, to change the thinking and behavior and your ways of relating that were associated with the trauma, you can kind of chart a new course for yourself. If you don't change anything, because I've had some patients who experience tremendous relief and then they continue drinking, they continued avoiding things. And then within six months to a year, they were needing another injection. Mm -hmm. And then the second time, which is really key, they did the different things. They went to therapy, they did the work, and now they're doing great. They haven't needed another injection. So I really think it depends on what you do with that moment of opportunity to Mm -hmm. put your life on a different track. This is just so amazing. I think of people who have been in therapy for years and they've done a ton of work, but they still need therapy. Sometimes with PTSD, you can start to make sense of it. You can live a a good life, but that doesn't mean it goes away. So to think that for people that have been suffering for a long time, already have these tools, how effective that might be. And I had that, (laughs) I had that exact situation when I first learned about this treatment, because I was finishing eight years at the VA and I had a special forces medic on my caseload come to me and say, doc, can you get this for me? I never heard of it. Now, bear in mind, we've been working together for a long time. He was in a six-month trauma processing group. I've been doing individual therapy. Basically, Lori, I was doing my darndest to help him in whatever ways I knew how. And we went in together. We were in the operating room. He got the shot from a medically qualified provider. And everything that we had been doing took root. It got traction. So I, I would have these sessions with him and say, I would be thinking, we've talked about this before. (laughs) But this time when he heard it from me, because he wasn't so overactivated with these chronic threat symptoms, he was able to hear it and integrate those insights and change his relationship with his wife in a totally different way. So I started treating patients that I was like, who else have I been trying to help? And they're still stuck, right? Like your example. And so I treated about four or five patients with this. And the same thing happened. The therapy we did after this pulled in insights we had done before, gave them a new traction, and it really changed things for them going forward. So I think primer before the paint. But even if you've already done some of the work, if you get the the treatment now, Mm -hmm. you might find that some things that you've been trying to change get a lot easier to change when you're calm in your own body. How do we talk to our children about the events that have been happening most currently Boulder? My friend just moved there. And he has a five-year-old son and he's just mortified that this happened. How do they, how are they supposed to talk to their kids? You know, when these things happen, I think, I think about who Mr. Rogers was to the kids of a certain generation. And I think we need a Mr. Rogers now. And lately I've been privileged to play a bit of a role, like a maybe modern day Mr. Rogers in answering some of these questions um, in, you know, interviews like this one. And so I'm so pleased to do that and and to offer that support. What I would say is that because I know so many of our nation's first responders, our police officers, our veterans, they are family to me now. And what I know because of that is that there are so many more people in our society that are protectors than there are people who do these kinds of bad things. 
it is a truth that there are some people that are very sick and that bad things happen. And we want to teach our children to walk with awareness of what's around them, but not to live in fear. And the way that I help my kids who are under the age of 10, I've got two kids, is I tell them, look out for the people that are protectors, who have the heart of a protector, who will risk their life when these situations happen. Because there are so many of them that are living around and among us that will respond from this protective instinct that's deeply ingrained in them. And I just, I know that that's true. So to, to have them think about all those people that would step up when these things happen is an important part of not walking in fear. I love that so much for so many reasons, but also to look, what do we say when we have kids that are naughty? Look, catch them doing something good. It's like teaching them to look for the good, but in a way of something really specific, people that are willing to step out. Our veterans, our first responders, whether they're on duty, off duty, retired from the military, they are assets and they have the heart of protectors and they're, they're in the fabric of our society all around us. And I just, I'm privileged to know and serve so many of them. The hypervigilance from trauma is one of the most persistent symptoms, even when people get therapy. And that what we know now is that trauma causes a biological injury. So a healed brain looks different from an injured brain if you have the right brain skin. And PTS is not an invisible injury. It's visible if you have the right brain skin. And so to me, logically, if there's a biological injury, we need a biological treatment before you do the work. And that's why I say primer to the paint based on what my patient recently shared about how this has really worked for him. Well, thank you so much. I look forward to staying in touch. I enjoyed it. I'm Lori Hardy. Thanks for listening. We hope you've learned something new. I know I have. Join us next week as we continue to talk with people that are making a difference in our community.